This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is John Lynch, 49ers GM and Pro Football Hall of Famer, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest 4-2. Welcome to week one of the NFL playoffs, where most people are talking about who's going to win this weekend. That's most everyone except for us. That's because we're a Hall of Fame themed program, as you should know by now. And we're less than a week removed from a vote on the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2022. Now, Ira and I not only will be involved with the vote there, but we each present a candidate. Now, I have contributor candidate Art McNally. And Ira, you have who? Number 20, Rondé Barber, a walking statistic, my friend. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Rondé Barber. He didn't make it to the top 10 last year, but Ira, I would think with his stats and with your presentation, he's going to make it at least that far this time. Thank you, sir. With your support. With your support. my support. <laughs> anyway, speaking of the class of 2022, we are delighted to have one of the 15 finalists with us today. And that's former San Francisco 49ers defensive tackle Bryant Young, who was a guest on this program a year ago and someone who was a finalist in 2020. Then he wasn't a year later. And now he is back again. And Bryant, first of all, great to have you back in the room. And secondly, great to have you back with us. Thank you. Thank you. I, I got to tell you, the, your theme, it takes me back. That, that intro. intro was really, really uh, just, it took me back to the, the Bulls days back in Chicago. <laughs> That's right. It, it kind of hyped me up. But thank you for having me on the show. It's always great to be back in the room and uh, part of the conversation for sure. Yeah, the Bulls. Michael Jordan, Bryant Young, same category, right? That's what we think of. Anyway, <laughs> um, Bryant, uh, you, first of all, are you surprised you returned as a finalist? I mean, you probably were surprised you, you, you weren't there a year ago. Are you surprised you're back in? Um, you know, it, it, I was a little bit um, surprised that the momentum didn't keep going forward last year. So that was surprising. I haven't gone from a finalist uh, two years ago to a semifinalist and not going to, uh, back in uh, the room in the conversation. So um, it was a little bit uh, of, of a surprise this year and just uh, understanding, you know, how things work and and um, building the momentum, but certainly I am excited to be back in the room and and uh, be, being part of that conversation. We were surprised as well, and we were also excited to have you back in the room. And honestly, I've said this to Ira before, it, it reminds me, and I hope it comes out the same way, it reminds me a little bit of what happened to Steve Atwater, who was the 2016 finalist. Then he disappeared, not for one year, disappeared for two. And then he mm. showed up in 2019 and went, whoa, he's back. Holy cow. And he was a top 10 guy that year. And of course, the following year, he made it to Canton. Um, as you know, a campaign last month in, in December of 2021 was mounted on your behalf uh, by Kirk Reynolds, who was former PR director of the San Francisco 49ers, where six offensive linemen who faced you 
ended up vouching for you. They came forward and said, we want to speak on his behalf. And some of them, some of them ranked you not only in the same category as Warren Sapp and John Randall, but ahead of them. As Sapp, as we know, was a first ballot Hall of Famer, Randall, second ballot Hall of Famer. What did you take from that? I know you weren't involved. I know you had nothing to do with it. But what did you take from what they had to say? Um, you know, first, uh, so much respect for all those guys who were willing to uh, spend time and, and uh, create um, that space to, to have a conversation. Um, certainly, I have so much respect for all of my opponents. But I really think, um, and then also just the effort that it took to, to bring those people together, just the initiative and the effort and the idea that was, I thought was creative and bringing those guys to the table. But I wanted to um, make sure that, uh, you know, for me, uh, it's always been about how hard you play the game and not only to be accountable to your teammates, but what do your opponents think of you and, and the respect that you garner for the work that you uh, put on the field? To me, that means a lot that guys will speak and say the things that um, they've said on my behalf. And I've always said that, you know, a measure of a player is always going to be how your opponent um, regards you and the respect that they have for you. And certainly the respect that's there for me, for them, in terms of, um, you know, just how I felt about them playing on the field. And so, you know, it, it's uh, it's humbling. I'd, I'd say it's very, very humbling to have those group of guys uh, to come in a room and say the things that they said. And so, uh, you know, my hat's off to the guys that uh, were there. And and uh, certainly I am um, respectful of all the things that they've done on the field as well. Brian, I got a question about your yeah. uh, your rookie year, 94. Uh, Brian, you know, the Niners win, uh, go all the way. Brian, I want to ask you about, a veteran teammate. He didn't start. He was near the end of his career, but he's in the Hall of Fame, right? Deservedly so. And I want to know what kind of an impact a Richard Dent made on Bryant Young in Tangible's approach to the game. Um, what do you remember about Richard Dent's impact on you, Mr. Young? Uh, it was, he had a very uh, big impact on me. You know, one, I grew up in Chicago, so I grew up a Bear fan. And, uh, it was actually uh, through the, the Niners and the history of the Bears, their playoff history, um, how I became a Niner fan. And so, but but just being, um, having so much respect for Richard uh, before he got there and then having a chance to be uh, his teammate, um, you know, I was wide open. Uh, Richard was very uh, knowledgeable about the game. Um, he would give me advice and see, and tell me things that that he saw from his perspective. Um, it was very helpful my rookie year, you know, just in terms of just, you know, your stance and and working on, you know, angles on your pass rush and things of that nature. And so he had a, a huge influence, you know, um, in that first year. So I was very, very excited to be able to play with him my rookie year. It's unfortunate that he didn't get a chance to stay healthy and play the whole entire year, but but he was there, and the things that he told me along the way were very, very valuable. Brian, you might have forgotten this. Your very, very first game as a pro player that counted. Uh, 49ers 44, Raiders 14. You got them pretty good, Brian. And in that very first game, I believe you had a sack. 
But a guy named Rice scored three touchdowns that day. Yes. Brian, you got to see Jerry Rice up close. You knew all about him as a collegian, maybe even high school. Um, what what the heck can you say about Jerry Rice? What separated him? Um, and we're talking about perhaps the greatest player uh, at any position that, that's ever played this game. Uh, wow. Uh, coming in my rookie year, Jerry was just a very uh, sharp, uh, meticulous, um, just pre- preparation, how he prepared one in practice. It was no coincidence that he had the success that he had on the field because of how he practiced. And to see that, um, you know, firsthand and, and to realize that how impactful that was for me as a pro in my first year um, to, to take the standard up um, was incredible. Um, but that that night, um, that Monday night football game was it was it was amazing to see a guy that worked so hard that did so many things along this in his career and to have a moment like that and break the record. Uh, it was just awesome to be a part of that. We're speaking with the Hall of Fame finalist Bryant Young on the eye test for two. And Ira, I'm glad you referenced that 1994 season. That was my first year covering the 49ers. I've been covering the Chargers for the 10 years before. And I came up there and covered that game, that Monday night game. And I realized this is a whole different atmosphere up here. It was so much fun to cover that team. And BYU certainly was a star in that ball club. Uh, I want to go like four years beyond that to 1998. And that's when Bryant Young was having a career season and suffered a, a career-threatening injury. It's a compound fracture of the tibia and fibula. That was also a, a Monday night game, 12th game of the season. It's against the Giants, ironically, against the Giants because uh, it was the Giants, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, it was LT, uh, where this mm-hmm. compound fracture of Joe Theismann in a, a nationally televised game. But you guys were up 24-7 in the fourth period against the Giants. You remember this, B.Y., I'm sure, as is, is clearly as is, if it were yesterday. Ken Norton goes to tackle. Uh, Ken, what, what do you remember from that? incident what do you remember from that particular blow and and how much is it with you today yeah um man i'll never forget that uh clark you know just um i remember that particular play um i had and had a good move on the guard there and beat him to go and try and sack the quarterback and he saw me coming and he just hitched up in the pocket and then starts scrambling and so I retraced my steps and I went to go uh, converge. And as he went to slide, I pulled up and then here comes the linebacker, Ken Norton, um, um, you know, just tagging him off and had his head down as I planted his head went right into my leg. And so it was just, uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this is happening. This just happened. And it was so, so devastating. And the pain that night, um, was incredibly bad but you know uh, for me I I think about too a lot of things Um, just not only the pain and all that was happening the players and their support and and the fans and their support during that moment but I think about you know Mariucci who was there um, and coming on the field to console his player and and uh, uh, have compassion in that moment then I think about the moment uh, when they escorted me, when they finally got me on the gurney and got me to the um, the ambulance, and there was 
Eddie DeBartolo Jr., who was there, who came down from the box and and to make sure that his player was okay. I mean, that was a lot of uh, memories from that night, just in terms of, you know, all that he was doing, the coach did, our owner did. Um, it, it was a, a night to remember for sure. Um, and so you think in those moments, you know, the pain, the injury, the suffering, and then the compassion in that night and all that, all the people that cared. Um, and, and for me also, it was about, you know, how will I ever recover from this? Yeah, right. You know, it, it, it was, it. yeah, it was just a, it was a, I didn't, at the moment, I was like, okay, this is bad. This is really bad. Okay, what's going to happen? And then, um, you know, then finally it came like, wow, this is going to be hard to overcome. Once the surgery happened, the rot was inserted in my leg. It was a long rehab and, uh, and the rest is history from there. Yeah. And I apologize for almost cutting you off there, but I was going to say you, you spent 17 days in the hospital and there were complications. Yes. Uh, how difficult was that recovery? And did you at any point think my career may be over or my career is over? Yeah. Um, it was when the moment I was able to um, be aware of what was all going on after the surgery. Um, that's when I realized how significantly bad this injury was. Um, you know, I, I had two gaping wounds on the side of my leg because of the pressure that had built up after the surgery of inserting the rod in my tibia. And I had two pins that were attached at the bottom, two at the bottom and at the top of my leg. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking like, this is going to be a real tough recovery here. And so it was at that moment, it might've been three or four days later um, when I was fully aware of what was going on during that moment um, and how significantly bad the injury was that I realized that this is going to be a tough one to overcome. And then to understand and all that would have to take place um, in, in that moment to get back on the field. I couldn't grasp that. I just like was basically saying, this is, this is it. I think my career is over. But, you know, the, the the never quit mentality in me was like, you know, this is another challenge. Yeah. And, you know, we could overcome this. And um, but it was a tough road back. A lot of hard work, a lot of people involved uh, that were part of the rehab process. And, um, yeah, it, it happened. Just one more question on that. You did get back on the field. You did get back yes. on the field the following year. Not only get back on the field. You were the comeback player of the year that following year, 1999. Where does that rate among your lifetime achievements? It, you know, it's, it's, it is a really um, one of the most memorable awards and impactful ones that uh, or accolades that I've earned be, because of all the hard work uh, that went into rehab and and they're getting back on the field, um, not only just to, to play, but but to be a, a, a significant factor in games to help your team win. And so just, you know, looking back on all that uh, transpired and that had to happen um, in those moments to get back fully to where I was, you know, it was, it was, it was a miracle. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of, uh, you know, tough days, uh, overcoming adversity, um, a lot, a lot of mental strain 
not not only mentally but physically as well. And so to to earn something um, for all the effort that you put into uh, getting back on the field, that 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 award means so so much to me because of the impact and the devastate devastating injury that that occurred, and to be able to come back from that, um, you know, it means a lot to me. It, it really does. Brian, one more for me. Thanks uh, so much for joining us, and, and best of luck uh, next Tuesday on that Zoom call. Um, by the way, uh, Mr. Young, we, we have five yeah. minutes to sum up your 14-year career. <laughs> five, right. five minutes. <laughs> I just want you to know that. Um, <laughs> Brian, you, you, you win the Super Bowl. You're a rookie. You probably thought, hey, this is going to happen every year. I'm going to win about six more of these. And Absolutely. then, Brian... In each of the next three seasons, and Clark knows this very well, Green Bay gets you three mm. years in a row. And I looked it up, and uncharacteristically, the, the Niners made a lot of giveaways in those three games. I think they had mm-hmm. about 10 in those three games. Very uncharacteristic. Mm-hmm. You finally get them in, in 98. It, it took the Terrell Owens catch, Brian, to do it. Um, mm-hmm. what, what was it like going up against the far – uh, in, in the mid '90s, uh, did you did you enjoy those battles against the Packers? Uh, yes and no, I did and didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were they were they were almost a carbon copy of us. Um, you know, because of the the coaches that were there, the the system they had in place offensively, um, and it was almost uh, practicing or playing against you know, a team that we had, I had always practiced against, you know, especially, you know, during, during the uh, training camp. Um, and so uh, to have them be part of our demise and in our playoff hopes, you know, it was, um, it was tough. You know, there were some tough battles and a lot of great players. Brett did a fantastic job just kind of leading this team and, and doing some amazing things out there on the field. Um, it was, I just couldn't believe it. It, it always came down to um, this team out in, you know, Wisconsin that was amazingly good and um, that had a great quarterback. And so Brett, Brett did a fantastic job during that era. Um, it was just tough competition. And um, it wasn't always good when we had to face those guys in the playoffs. We were, we were excited to play them. But um, we just, at times, just didn't didn't put our best out there on the field. Uh, and they were the best teams those days that they beat us. And they always got off to a quick start those three years, Brian. You're always behind behind right away, right away. Yeah, you know, there are times where we, you know, would just, um, you know, make the mistake or the turnover or uh, make a silly play, and and they had the momentum. It was never. It was never easy or fun playing those guys out there. And then not only that, but to, to give them a, you know, a head start by a turnover or a pick six, whatever it may be, um, it, it was tough. And so, but yeah, they were a great team. They were our nemesis for a little while. And then it finally turned for us when we had that big uh, play with Terrell Owens um, in 1998. It's funny when you said it was never easy and it was very difficult to play them or never easy or fun to play them up there. I remember so well that 96 playoff game after Steve Young cracked a couple ribs and the, the 
first game, first playoff game against the Eagles, tried to play up there, couldn't. But you remember it was a freezing rain and it was so cold that what happened, Ira, was the rain would get on their jerseys and then it'd freeze. And so they were refrigerated. I mean, they were really it was sitting on the sidelines. And I remember talking to Brent Jones afterwards. He couldn't even talk. And I think there were a couple guys who were not a couple, several people treated for hyperthermia. But I looked at that and I thought you would look at it from the outside and think that's not one of the cold weather games in Green Bay because it's not too below or it's not 10 degrees, whatever. But it was right on the cusp there so that it was freezing rain. And I felt so sorry for those guys. That was a Desmond Howard game. I'm sure you remember, Brian, um, where he had a couple of big punt returns. You, were, you, you guys were out of it from the beginning. But, but that was a miserable game. It was miserable conditions, miserable result, whatever. It, yeah, absolutely. The, the, hey, Brian, the weather was – Remember Clark saying that while he's sipping hot coffee in an insulated <laughs> press box. Right? Eating, some, eating some brats. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that was brutal though. That was that was brutal conditions. Yeah, it was it was pretty nasty. It was one, it was the worst conditions I ever played in my entire football career. Yeah. That includes you know high school, college, and the pros. Uh, none like it. Yeah. yeah, it was the the rain. It was the sleet. It was the cold. Oh. It was oh. the mud. It was the the bad surface. It was, yeah, yeah. something was, you you dream, something that you see on a movie. It's yeah. like, man, this is <laughs> this is unreal, <laughs> yeah. like a horror movie. Well, the last thing I'm going to ask you, By, is I, I we talked about the the, the '94 game, um, you know, with the the, the Cowboys, and uh, I will talk about that a little bit later. But we talked about that '94. 94- season it ended up with you guys in the championship game against Dallas but the the Cowboys and the 49ers had that kind of rivalry that became then the 49ers and the Packers it was brutal and tough and and just it was everything you wanted from a pro football series and and now we've got it again we've got it again because the 49ers are going to Dallas certainly different cast of characters it's not a championship Mm -hmm. game but the history of that series that was a great series. And I know you got it at the very end there, but, but you got it 94 and then 95, I think they came to town and um, Elvis Gerback was playing it. And anyway, um, it was a great series. What do you remember of that Cowboys 49ers series? And, and where does it, where does it rank in, in Bryant Young's sort of great rivalries and the Packers 49ers, maybe Notre Dame and another rival uh, USC. I don't know where it ranks in, in terms of rivalries with you. Yeah, it's it's up there, you know. When you think about uh, two opponents just just slugging it out, um, yep. those yep. those 49er Cowboy games are are that you know just understanding the history what transpired, you know, even before I got there, the the White Clark uh, big catch uh, in the right. playoffs to to kind of build a momentum to start that dynasty, and then all the way till my first year there in '94 and being a part of it. Um, well, it, it's uh, you knew going into the game that you had to be your very best, especially yeah. not only in the regular season, but you know the playoffs is do or die. So you yeah. have to be at your very best, and you knew it was going to be a slugfest. And every minute, second wasn't was critically important. Every play was critically important. It was when you talk about a game of inches, inches. This was absolutely a game of inches, and every. Yeah. Every play was critical, but you know, um, you just knew what you were facing. You know, it was going to be a dogfight, um, and so I just uh, understood what was at stake each time in those playoffs. Uh, I remember my first uh, first time playing the Cowboys. You just there was no mistaking that you were in a Cowboys Forty Nine er 
uh, rivalry game and um, and just uh, understanding the people that were in place, uh, the, the talent that was acquired, uh, the people that understood the history of it. It was just awesome to be a part of that. And then getting over to hump finally in the NFC Championship game at home in 1994 uh, was incredible and, and awesome to be a part of. You know, Iris heard me say this before, but I've watched a lot of Troy Aikman games. That's the one game where I got enormous respect for him. When people talk to me about Troy Aikman, I'd say that to me was Troy Aikman's finest hour. And he lost the game. You guys kept punishing him, hitting him, knocking him down. He'd pick himself up, throw again, knocking him down again, pick himself up, throw again. He took a beating that day, a beating and just kept throwing and throwing. That was a great Great game and a colossal slugfest. Yeah, that was uh, again, you know, great offensive offensive line. We had the challenge up front to, uh, you know, Emmett Smith and our offensive line. The run game was was very good. We had the challenge to stop the run game and play well up front. And not only that, to get after the quarterback. And and I think you mentioned it, Clark. Just having and understanding what was at stake. Like the sack, Troy Aikman was great. But to, to get him off the spot, to get him, to hit him, to help, to make him rush his throws, you know, even if we didn't get the sacks, um, we we made him feel our presence up front. And um, I think that was a big difference in the game as well. And uh, but Troy just kept just kept getting back up. And, um, you know, he knew what was at stake and just a tough competitor. And, but uh, just glad to be a part of those those big games there. Right, Young, you keep getting back up. You are a tough competitor, and we're pulling hard for you. Thanks so much for joining us, and best of luck next week with the Pro Football. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, B.Y. Thank you. That was Hall of Fame finalist Brian Young, and Ira, you and I have addressed him before, but I sure hope he makes some traction this time. I don't know that he's getting in this time. I suspect maybe not, but like Rondé Barber, he needs to move forward. And I'd like to see him get in that top 10. So he's in the on-deck circle for next year. Perfectly said, Clark. I feel the same way. Um, and let's not have him in and out of the lineup. Keep him in that room. Yeah, yeah. Get him in the queue, and he'll be wearing a gold jacket. Yeah. Well, apparently the fans feel the same way, Ira. They're cheering him. Uh, sticking don't with that 49ers. Uh, don't tell me you were somewhere. Were you somewhere sometime? I'm sticking with the 49ers theme. Yeah, I was somewhere. Guess where I was, Ira? Guess where I was? Candlestick Park. Candlestick Park. January 15th. January 15th. Oh, wait a minute. That's today, 1995, (laughs) when the 49ers met Dallas for the third straight year, the conference championship game. I don't know that. Ian probably doesn't remember that, but he may have seen films of it. Um, They had lost to them the previous two years. So they decided we're just going to build this team to beat Dallas. They didn't worry about anyone else. We're beating Dallas. But it was on one side of the ball. It was defense. So they brought in Ricky Jackson, Deion Sanders, Richard Dent, who you mentioned, all Hall of Famers. Ken Norton came in as a free agent. Gary Plummer from San Diego. Charles Mann. Tim Harris. <laughs> Tim Harris had two sacks in the uh, last three or four minutes of that championship game. Anyway, three plays into it. Three plays into it. Eric Davis, 44-yard touchdown on an interception. And that set the tone for the game. You talked about turnovers. And uh, I know B.Y. talked about turnovers later in his career. Yep. Dallas had three turnovers in the first five minutes. Three Whoa. turnovers became 17 points. 
They were down early. They never recovered. Big play at the end of the first half. Jerry Rice catches a long touchdown pass from Steve Young, left eight seconds on the clock, put them up 31 to 14. They had been up 24, 14 at that point, And Dallas is starting to get back into it. That dropped the hammer. Um, and that was the end of the game. And it was a huge deal because honestly, it sent them not only to the, the Super Bowl, but it saved George Seifert's job. Had he lost that game, they were ready to replace him with Mike Shanahan, who was then the offensive coordinator. And I'll never forget, after the game, Carmen Policy, the president of the team, said, oh, about the Super Bowl playing San Diego? It'll be anticlimactic. <laughs> and <I> went, oh, <laughs> my God. And, but he was right, because that was the Super Bowl. You know why? The previous 10 Super Bowls have been won by NFC championship teams. And, of course, San Francisco became the 11th. They destroyed San Diego in the Super Bowl. Down you know, Clark, the um, the 2 Bucks felt the same way after they closed down the vet. They they thought the Super Bowl was kind of anticlimactic. There wasn't yeah. a doubt in their mind they were going to beat the Raiders. Yeah, and, and they did. They walloped him. Our final thoughts for this week? Well, what a great what a great weekend we're looking for. Uh, Black Monday came and went. Uh, Joe Judge thought he uh, passed the audition. Clark, he did not. We didn't um, get fired, Ira. We didn't get fired. Uh, Clark, I'll say this, you know, when, when organizations are bad, the lions, the Jags, the giants, the jets, Clark, you, you can change coaches all you want. You got to look at the top, the bears, another example, um, bad organizations start at the top, Clark, that that's where you got to look. I agree with you, but to me, and maybe I'm biased because my father-in-law and my wife were Giants fans. The Giants is not a bad organization. And the fact that they wavered on Joe Judge, I thought, this is a huge mistake. And then finally, they did the right thing. You put the, the right people in that position. Dave Gettleman was not the right guy. Joe Judge clearly wasn't. They made the right move. Speaking of New York, Ira, Don Maynard. Don Maynard passed away this uh, week at 86. Uh, great Jets receiver. Um, little known fact, maybe you know this, uh, you're a New York guy. First started as a halfback and a safety with who not the new york jets the new york giants new york giants and in 1958 he took the opening kickoff of the giants colts playoff game never caught a pass never ran a down but he took the opening kickoff and then a year later he was cut during training camp during the summer (laughs) but 10 years later of course he was a star with the jets and they played in that Super Bowl, Super Bowl three, where they won 16 to seven over the Colts. Now in that game, uh, Maynard wasn't really a star. Right. George, Sauer, George Sauer was. They used Maynard as a decoy. Sauer had uh, eight catches. For but the previous yards. game, Clark, he dominated the Raiders in, in that game. That was the game of, of Maynard's life. And right remember there. the 52-yard catch against George Atkinson? Yes. Called it the greatest catch of his life. Absolutely. That was the best catch of his career, he said at least. You and know, Clark, that, uh, I, I think he was the first receiver to get 10,000 yards back when that meant something, Clark. That, that, that meant that, something. That sounds right. That, that sounds right, Ira. Um, but he also averaged 18.7 yards a catch. Yeah. He was a great receiver. And it's just sort of, it's always sad to, to hear these Hall of Famers that pass away. But um, anyway, uh, Don Maynard gone too soon at the age of 86. And you know what, Ian? We're gone too soon right now because we're wrapping it up. That's going to do it. This edition of the eye test for two. Now, remember, the Hall of Fame vote is next week. So pull for your favorite candidates and pull for Ira and me, too, because we're going to need it. Thanks so much for listening.